So today, um, if you have your Bible, it's probably going to be better if um, you just follow along in the sh- on the screen. You can follow along in, in your Bible as well, but I'm going to be reading out of the net version today, and uh, only for the reason that in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, the net version seems to really get it right for some reason. In other translations, New King James Version, it can get kind of, the, the way they word things um, typically leaves me with more questions, and then I have to go dig to make sure that what I think it's trying to say is what it's really trying to say. And actually, on if for any of you who have the Bible app, if anybody has a Bible app, if you look up the net translation, there are over 60,000 translator notes. And so as you're reading through the scripture, there'll be these little bubbles Little, little dots and bubbles above the words. And if you click on it, it'll expand and it'll tell you what the literal translation would be, what the other options of translation are, and why they chose that specific translation. So it's a really, really good tool. So for that reason, I'm just going to go ahead and read from the net this morning. But um, we're going to be talking about godly sorrow. Godly sorrow this morning. And before we do, we're going to be in Lamentations chapter 3. I want to open us up one more time in just a brief word of prayer. And also Robert and Stella Shipman, who have been part of our church, they're not here this morning because their daughter had an issue with the C-section and the wound reopening, and I just forgot to share it. Um, So I'm going to pray for that as well real quick. Father God, we thank you so much for this morning, Lord. We thank you that we get to come together in your name, by your blood, and your spirit, Jesus, as one body. And I pray that everyone here would be encouraged today by your words. Father, that your word would go uh, forth. It would not return void, but that it would accomplish the plan that you have for it. Jesus, help us to surrender our minds, our hearts, our, our vision for our own life to you. That in all things, we might follow your will and your way. And Jesus, we just pray for the shipmen's Lord, and, and for this, this issue with this wound, that you would bless it, Father, that there would be a quick healing, Lord, that there would be no further complications, and that your grace would be just a, a tangible presence in their life. And so we thank you, Father God. Bless us in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So this morning... We are going to be reading from uh, Lamentations 319 through verse 42. Now, Lamentations is an interesting book. Um, It's five chapters, and it's kind of uh, goes through the history of of what, or or the details of what's going on, this destruction of Jerusalem, Um, uh, the, the, the details of that destruction, which are very depressing if you read. It's very, very depressing. Um, Babylon has come in and God has given his own people over to be destroyed and to be taken into exile and, to, and all these things because of the judgment and the discipline of God has come upon these, these people who have just continued and continued and continued in their sin and in their rebellion and in their false worship. And it's really depressing. But right in the middle, chapter 3, there is this little glimmer of hope that kind of binds the whole book together, that even in the midst of judgment, even in the midst of discipline, even in the midst of very difficult circumstances, that God is still good. 
that God is still good. And so this morning, really what we're going to focus on is in the midst of trouble, in the midst of grief, in the midst of sorrow, how do we respond in view of who God is? So let's read. Starting in verse 19, Jeremiah writes, Remember my impoverished and homeless condition, which is a bitter poison. I continually think about this, and I am depressed. But this I call to mind, therefore I have hope that the Lord's loyal kindness never ceases. His compassions never end. They are fresh every morning. Your faithfulness is abundant. Or you might be more familiar with, great is thy faithfulness. My portion is the Lord, I have said to myself. So I will put my hope in him. The Lord is good to those who trust him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait patiently for the deliverance from the Lord. It is good for a man to bear the yoke while he is still young. And that term young really means while he still has strength, while he's still unbroken in a sense. Let a person sit alone in silence when the Lord is disciplining him. Let him bury his faith in the, face in the dust. Perhaps there is hope. Let him offer his cheek to the one who hits him. Let him have his fill of insults. For the Lord will not reject us forever, though he causes us grief. He then has compassion on us, according to the abundance of his loyal kindness. For he is not predisposed to afflict or to grieve people. To crush underfoot all the prisoners, all the earth's prisoners, to, dep to deprive a person of his rights in the presence of the Most High, to defraud a person in a lawsuit, the Lord does not approve of such things. Whose command was ever fulfilled unless the Lord decreed it? Is it not from the mouth of the Most High that everything comes, both calamity and blessing? Why should any living person complain when punished for his sins? Let us carefully, carefully examine our ways and let us return to the Lord. Let us lift up our hearts and our hands to God in heaven. We have blatantly rebelled and you have not forgiven. Whew. You know, when we think of suffering, a lot of times what, what people first bring to mind is Job. And for good reason. Job was probably the wealthiest man of his time. He was the most righteous man of his time. And he literally lost everything. His family, you know, his house, his, his camels, and all of his, his wealth. And in an, in an instant, everything was destroyed and taken from him, except for um, a very angry and bitter wife. <laughs> Devil knows what he's doing. Even his own health was afflicted. But Jeremiah, man, if I had to choose between experiencing what Job experienced and going through what Jeremiah went through, that would be a difficult, a difficult choice. I'd probably choose Job because his affliction 
was comparatively quick. Job, in the book of Lamentation, he's roaming the streets and he's talking about the death and the destruction and how the, the old men and the young children are fainting in the streets and there's no food and women are eating their children. I mean, it's horrible, horrible, really. We're talking about the judgment of God. And Pastor Mark says, it our God is fierce and the judgment of God had fallen on this place and it is disturbing to say the least. And he was filled, filled with grief and sorrow. And it was God's discipline on his people. Now for us, <laughs> we experience grief and sorrow in many ways, many ways. At the end, at the end of the day, um, our grief and sorrow is always the result of sin. Now I'm not saying that it's because you sinned, right, necessarily. But there is sin in the world and so as part of walking through this life, we have to experience the loving discipline of God in our lives where he prunes and he corrects. Sometimes we're a little stubborn, right? We're a little thick gold, and uh, we kind of hear the Holy Spirit and we just keep pressing on anyways. And then God has to start cutting things out of our life. He has to start bringing us lower so that our eyes will lift up and acknowledge him. And then there are other times where it's just we, we receive um, the wages of unrighteousness. You know, there, there are people who their daughter was just driving home from a football game. She was a cheerleader. And because someone was out drinking and they were, their life was, was given to drunkenness and they were driving drunk and there was a car wreck. And, and you hear it all the time. It's the young girl dies and the, and the drunk person lives. It's crazy. You know, but so there's pain and there's suffering and it comes in very different ways. And I'm not going to narrow that, that down much for us this morning because whatever is most applicable to you, I want you to be considering that. But regardless of our suffering, one of the things that Jeremiah makes a point um, for us to understand here is God is sovereign in everything. God is sovereign in everything. There is a point where there's like this fine line where we can't necessarily blame God for the, the, the evil and the unrighteousness in the world. But at the same time, nothing happens unless the Lord has allowed it. Unless the Lord has allowed it. And we see that again in Job where the devil is talking to, to God and he has to ask permission to even touch Job's family. And of course, today in most churches, you know, the pastor, oh, you know, you know, God didn't want that to happen. He didn't, you know, it wasn't his will, but it just happened. And, you know, things like that's, that sounds great. But in all reality, God's hand is not restrained. It cannot be restrained. And so the way that we deal with grief, the way that we deal with, with suffering, the way we deal with discipline really becomes uh, an act of worship. And it shows more about a man. Well, let me say it this way. You can tell more about a man, more about his integrity, more about his faith and the way he waits and suffers than you can in the way he moves and acts. But it starts with this. 
It starts with this. In all things, when we go before the Lord, who is kind, who is generous, we have to start by being honest. Start by being honest. And so we're going to focus mostly, right, at least at the moment, um, in the aspect of dealing with things in our life, dealing with, with discipline, dealing with going through trials because God has allowed it for us, okay? He has allowed trials for our, our good in the long run. But in the present time, it doesn't always feel so good. And it starts dealing with, with, with this grief and having a godly sorrow starts with being honest. And see, we live in a world where people really, they want to have a mask. They want to put their best face forward, right? We live in the Facebook world, the internet world, where everybody, you know, they put on the makeup and they take the, the picture at the right angle, you know, and they, they look amazing and about 10 pounds slimmer and, and all these things, and their life looks great on Facebook, the little family pictures, and you have no idea that that woman stays up crying every night, that she, her husband's talking about her divorce, that her children are on medication and she hates it. So there's all these things going on and people, they want to put up a mask. But before we can go before the Lord and be healed, before we can go before the Lord and cry out for, for, for salvation, for repentance, Lord, help me, Lord. Okay, I understand this was wrong. Okay, Lord, show me what needs to work in my heart in this time of grief or suffering. What are you doing here? We have to be honest with ourselves and with God. Look at this. Jeremiah starts off in verse 19, and, and there's, there's been a lot of, of, of crying out to the Lord for, for the bitter things going on, but he says, remember my impoverished and homeless condition, which is a bitter poison. I continually think about this, and I'm depressed. I'm depressed. Before we can get help, before we can start to heal, a lot of times people aren't willing, we're not willing to be honest with each other about the situations in our life because we think it's shameful or we think, oh, well, someone's going to think this way or that way about me. You know, I can't share that. That's private. And let me tell you something. God has given us a body for a reason. God has given us a body for a reason. And as long as Satan can keep something in darkness, if we can't admit that we're struggling financially, if we can't go and admit to our brothers and sisters, come to the pastor and say, look, my marriage is not doing well. If we can't admit, look, this, this is going on with, with my children and they don't listen to me. They live two states away, but I just, I really, I know the Lord is, I need someone to cry out with me. If we can't admit the conditions uh, and the struggles and the griefs that we're, we're dealing with to each other, Satan can keep us trapped in this place of darkness, right? In this place of darkness. And part of that, man, we got to start being honest with God about how we feel in these situations, how we feel in these situations. He doesn't just say, oh, yeah, I'm homeless, you know, and, uh, I'm, you know, I need a place to, to stay. I'm, I'm impoverished. But he says, it's like a bitter poison to my soul. I'm grieved over this. I'm hurt over this. And it seems that 
for a lot of people, that's hard to do because it's, there's a humility that has to come in our spirit. You know, the, the very beginning of the Beatitudes, Matthew 5, 3, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And there's a humility that we have to clothe ourselves with and to come and open up our hearts and let down all these walls and start to confess these issues with one another. And sometimes just with God, you know, there, there are people who are living so blinded by their own pride and their life is falling apart and they're not growing with the Lord and not, they're not getting anywhere in their fellowship. And in their pride, they're not even willing to admit to, to a brother or to the Lord that there's pride to be dealt with. And because of that, they stay in that circle and they cause themselves more and more grief, more and more discipline. We have to be honest with the Lord. One of the truest statements you'll ever hear is God honors honest prayers. Honest prayers, right? God already knows how you feel. He already knows what you're going through, right? And he's not offended by your earthly emotions. For you to say, Lord, this is going on and I don't get it. Lord, I'm angry, I'm tired, I'm frustrated. I don't get it. God's not offended by that. In fact, I think that when we go to the Lord in faith and we cry out in faith, I think God loves that because that's what he's called us to do, to cast our cares on him. He says, I continually think about this and I am depressed, but this I call to mind, therefore I have hope. So I've got basically three points I want to just share, share with y'all to kind of to kind of grab onto this morning. The first one is that we need to learn to be honest and to mourn over our sin, over our struggles, over our trials, right? Um, a lot of times, if there's marital issues going on, if there's familial issues going on, if there's financial issues going on, not always, of course, but if there's, if there's trouble with jobs or, or with relationships, a lot of times there's there's somewhere in there, there's sin in our life that God is trying to reveal to us, right? We're not kind enough. We're not forgiving enough. We're holding on to grudges here. We're being hard-hearted here. And we have to learn to mourn over our situations. And we have to be honest with ourselves and God about how much of that comes from us. How much of that comes from us? You know, the great thing about Job is through all his suffering, it says, and then he, he would speak and he would answer in the midst of his suffering, not afterwards, looking backwards, but in the midst of grieving for, he just lost his children. He's just lost his home. He's got scraping boils off his skin. And he's saying, man, blessed be the name of the Lord. He gives, he takes away. People were coming and accusing him. Oh, there must be, you know, you must not really be as righteous as you think you are. Otherwise, these things wouldn't be happening to you. Guys, that's not necessarily true. And Job knew that. And he would answer back, and the scripture said, but in all this, he did not sin. Because he was willing to consider himself before the Lord and know that if God gives or if God gives, takes away, everything is God's. We're, we're God's. We belong to him, right? So the first thing is we have to learn to mourn over our situation. We have to take that mourning to God and just be open about it. 
be open about it. The more open your life is, the more your life and the situations, the struggles that are going on in your life are open to your brothers and sisters around you, the less breathing room Satan has to come in and cause more trouble, okay? And I know because the people that I've ministered, the, the closer and the more verbal they are, the more vulnerable they, they are about their struggles, the more I've seen those people grow and grow and grow and be delivered and be delivered and be delivered. But those people who try to hide them or who, who try to say, yeah, you know, this is going on, but there's no issue with me. There's nothing God needs to teach me. This is, you know, it's, it's always someone else's fault that something bad is happening. And if that's our heart, it's always someone else's fault. You will stay exactly where you are in your life. The second thing that I want us to, to think about that we have to learn to do as Christians is talk to ourselves. Anybody here talk to themselves? Oh, whew. okay. I can stop taking my meds now. No, I'm just kidding. Although I did get some water from a food bank and it had lithium in it and I was, it was okay. Um, I kind of want some more. Anyways, um, we have to learn to talk to ourselves, right? Because here's the thing, when we're going through grief, you are, or you're going through trials, you're going through suffering, whatever it is, you are immediately caught in a war and you are caught in a war of persuasion. And really Satan, all he can do is persuade you. That's it. He can't touch your salvation. He can't touch the fact that you're already holy and blameless in Christ Jesus, that you're sealed by the Holy Spirit for the day of redemption, which is the purchased possession. You, he can't touch that. But he can persuade you to walk unworthy of your calling. Paul tells us we need to walk worthy. Satan will persuade you to do otherwise. And here's the thing. He's like, Jeremiah's like, man, I, I'm, I'm homeless. I've got nothing. I, I feel like there's poison in my soul. I'm depressed. But I call this to remind that God's loyal kindness never ceases. His compassions never end. There is new mercy every morning, and God's faithfulness towards me is abundant. And he's reminding himself of this in the middle of his trials in the middle of his grief. My portion is the Lord, I have said to myself. So I will put my hope in him. I will put my hope in him. Um, there's a verse in 2 Corinthians 7, verse 10 and 11. And it talks about the difference between godly sorrow and worldly sorrow. So it says, for godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. Next slide. For observe this very thing that you sorrowed in a godly manner. What diligence it produced in you. What clearing of yourselves. What indignation, what fear, what vehement desire, what zeal, what vindication. Deliverance. In all things you proved yourself to be clear, in this matter. There's a godly sorrow that leads our hearts to be soft and, uh, soft and open to the Lord that leads us to repentance. 
It's a godly sorrow that, that turns away from our focus on the trouble and on the issues and the grumbling and the complaining and the poor me and the self-pity. And it looks up to God and says, but you are still good. And it's that godly sorrow, that repentance, that change of mind, that change of position towards me and all of my sorrows too. But God, but God, but God, that changes a heart from bitterness to joy, from sorrow to grace. And God expects us to deal with suffering and sorrow in a, in a way that's pleasing him. That doesn't mean that we can't be grieved. It doesn't mean that when, when we go through hard, difficult things, that when we suffer loss, that that's not, that's not real. I mean, that's very real. And God knows Jesus Christ himself dealt with such suffering. And he has compassion for us because he understands. But Satan will persuade you to allow your circumstances to create bitterness in your heart. He'll persuade you to to start um, blaming other people. He'll persuade you to, to start walking in the flesh and in, in your anger and your outburst of wrath, you know, and feel justified because, oh, well, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve this. And that is the enemy. We have to persuade ourselves against those things. We have to persuade ourselves towards the promises of God's word. We have to persuade ourselves to remind ourselves of how good our God is and that our affliction is only for a moment. But that when the God delivers, that his righteousness is forever. We have to persuade ourselves in that fact. James 1, 2 through 4 my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. The trials and suffering of your life are tests. How are you going to respond? Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. That's a promise of God towards you. That in the midst of these things, that God is actually working something even through all the mess and chaos and hurt, that he's working something to make you more complete, to make you see more of who he is, to, have, to allow you to have more reward in heaven. Even Jesus, the Bible says that his obedience was made perfect through his suffering. Why would we expect our relationship with the Lord or our experience in life to be any different? We have to remind ourselves of these things. Verse 25, the Lord is good to those who trust him, to the one who seeks him. We have to remind ourselves that. You can trust God. You can trust God. And in the, and in the moment where you feel hopeless and you don't want to trust God because you want to find your own way out, you want to make your own way, you want to let go and just blame someone else, you have to remind yourself against that temptation that you can trust God. And he is good to those who seek him. 
And when we turn from our circumstances and we allow the, the, these issues of our life to fuel us to seek God more, that is when you see a mighty deliverance. And that is where God is well-pleased. It is good to wait patiently for the deliverance of the Lord. Now, I just said something that every Christian hates to hear. You need to wait on God. No one likes that. Oh, and you need to do it patiently. To wait, to say you need to wait and be patient almost sounds, it's almost like the same thing, but it's not. Because you can wait very unpatiently. You can wait with a bad attitude. You can wait kicking and screaming and saying, I don't like this and all these things. But it is good to wait patiently on the Lord because he delivers. There's a trust. There's a faith. There's a sincerity in your heart, a steadfastness that God is trying to build into your soul. That when the winds blow and the waves crash down, the rains come, that your house will be unmovable because it was built on the rock, on faith in Jesus Christ. Not one that for every circumstance it falls apart and you've got to build it back up again. There's a stability that God wants you to have, a peace. You know, in the Christian life, in a spiritual sense, peace and stability are one. If you, have, if you can receive peace from the Lord in your circumstance, everything around you will be falling apart and you'll have the most stable life anybody will be able to see. People will be looking at you and going, what the heck is wrong with this guy? If I was him, I'd be breaking stuff or something. Yelling at somebody. No, 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 no. There's a stability in the inner man that God wants to give you and he's already paid for it. He has paid for your peace. You, you simply have to believe it and receive it and not accept the persuasion of the enemy. Now we're going to go get in a little bit to his commands and how we need to deal with ourselves as we're waiting patiently. It says, let a person sit alone in silence when the Lord is disciplining him. That's a little easier for me because I like to be alone in silence. <laughs> I'm perfectly fine seeing y'all when I see y'all and loving y'all when I love y'all and then going home and being by myself. I actually quite enjoy that. I'm not a big per people person. Um, strange, right? Why does he say that? Let a person sit alone in silence when the Lord is disciplining him. Because God wants us to meditate and to consider his ways and our ways and to find our deliverance from him. Many times when people are going through situations and it's every time you see him, you know, the Bible, he says right here that his mercies are new every morning. I think for some people, disasters are new every morning. You know what I'm saying? Like every time you see him, there's a new end of the world. There's a new catastrophic event that happened in their life. Like it's been three weeks and I'm still hearing about the same issue that happened three weeks ago and how bad it is. And I don't know. I've prayed with them 18 times and they're still saying, I just don't know what I'm going to do. I'm like, I thought praying is what you were going to do. What do you mean? Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. And it's because there is a lack of trust. Their lives, their minds are unstable because they're not, they're not trusting in the Lord. They're not receiving that peace. And God says, no, you just go sit silently somewhere. You be still and just know that I'm God. 
and trust in him. Likewise, let him let a bury his face in the dust. Perhaps there's hope. And I can, when I read that, I, I assumed he was perhaps talking about the tongue. And I looked up on, on some commentaries, and that seems to be the general thought that, you know, to control your tongue, it's very important. It's very important. And just like Job, when he could have cursed God, his wife said, hey, just curse God and die already. When he could have cried out and said, no, it's because of this person and those people. And those, he said, you know what? God gives. God takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Careful how you speak in your anger and in your worry. Consider your own heart, lest in discipline you sin and need to be disciplined. You see what I'm saying? God is teaching us self-control and how to honor him in this time. And finally, let him offer his cheek to the one who hits him and let him have his fill of insults. Now there's two things I immediately, and we're gonna close quick soon after this. There's two people I immediately think of when I read that verse. Let him offer his cheek. Let him have his fill of insults. Well, why would you say that to us about somebody? That sounds, that doesn't sound very Christian. You know, just let him, sounds a lot like Jesus, actually, when I think about it. Jesus, I guarantee you, did not enjoy his suffering, but he gladly welcomed it because he knew he was suffering for righteousness sake, and he knew his father would glorify him. Likewise, King David, as he was leaving, as he was being run off by uh, his own son, and he was kind of going out the back door out of the kingdom, to go hide and preserve his own life. There was a man, uh, is it Shimei? Is that his name? And he's what throwing rocks at him and he's cursing him and saying all these things. And David's servant says, man, I'll go take his head off right now. Just, just tell me. <laughs> and David says, no, the Lord has done this. The Lord has done this. Whatever has been dealt to us, at the very least, God has allowed So if it's a time of suffering, if it's a time of insult, especially if you're being insulted because of Christ, which I've experienced, but in the way of the world, we haven't even started to experience. Accept it graciously and continue to turn all those things to the Lord. Trust in him. For the Lord will not reject us forever. Though he causes us grief, he then has compassion on us according to the abundance of his loyal kindness. Listen to this. He is not predisposed, uh, predisposed to afflict or to grieve people. And what he's saying there is God doesn't just take delight in, in putting people through suffering. God doesn't allow you to go through trials and grief just for the sake of it. He's not predisposed to just, you know, Oh, I'll just sprinkle a little disaster on this one. No, 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 no. In fact, God hates injustice and unrighteousness and, and, and these things. In the next verse, he talks about depriving people, of, people being deprived of their rights and prisoners being crushed and being defrauded according and says that God hates those things. He has no approval of those things. But in verse 40, 
I'm sorry, verse 37. He reminds us that we have to, we have to actually find comfort, find comfort in the sovereignty of God, even in the midst of circumstance. There are some people that when I stand up and say, the Bible says that both good and bad comes from God, that God's own word says, I cause calamity, I am the Lord. People don't like me. People get very uncomfortable. But I want to encourage you that there's actually, there's actually a comfort that you can find in that. If you can settle that in your heart, that in every situation, it's more comforting to me that in the middle of getting beat up or kicked around or whatever's going on in my life, that God's still in charge and that he'll actually come rescue me than there is in thinking, oh, well, you know, God didn't want this to happen. I guess he just, you know, was on vacation this week and maybe next week will look better for me. No, 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 no. God is, is sovereign over all these things and he has a purpose. He has a plan for you, for him to be declared in your life through these issues. It's not just happenstance. Verse 40, but let us carefully examine our ways and let us return to the Lord. Let us lift up our hearts and our hands to the God of heaven. We have blatantly rebelled and you have not forgiven. There's a command in scripture. No idea what that, what I just picked up. It's very sticky. I'm going to put it back down. There is a command. I'm a, that's my ADD going on, okay? There is a command in Scripture to praise the Lord at all times. There's a command to praise the Lord at all times. And the Bible tells us that it's the joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord that is our strength, not the knowledge of the Lord. I mean, that's definitely where it starts. Not the Bible studies of the Lord, the joy of the Lord. And guys, sometimes we have to, sometimes it just comes and the spirit is moving. Sometimes we have to pursue that and cry out for it, but God is faithful to answer. And the way we respond to the threats of the enemy, the way we respond to the persuasion, the pains, the sufferings, is either gonna draw us closer to the Lord it's going to bring about a repentance, a change of mind that is going to in turn bring deliverance to your soul and to your life. Or we're going to bind ourselves and let Satan drag us wherever he wants us to. But in the name of Jesus Christ, by the blood of the lamb, those chains can be broken at any moment that you turn your eyes to him and lift up your hands to the God of heaven. Because he is merciful and every day his mercies are new. Every day his mercies are new. So learn to be honest. Learn to mourn openly with each other, with the Lord. Learn to talk to yourself. Persuade yourself of God's goodness, right? And finally, examine yourself in view of God. When we examine ourselves in view of God, we remember how big he is. We suddenly realize how small we are and our problems get smaller and smaller and smaller. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much, Lord, for this day. Thank you for your word, Lord, that Lamentations is, Lord, you had your servant write this for a reason, for our blessing, for our instruction. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable 
for doctrine, for equipping us for righteousness, Lord. So Jesus, I pray that your word would bear fruit in our hearts. Lord, I pray that we would be more joyful, more joyful, that we would look to you more and more in times of trouble, Father God, that nothing in this life, none of these temporary afflictions or issues, Lord, would be able to move our gaze away from you. Jesus, I don't know the circumstances um, or the hearts of your people here in this room, but you do. You know them all together, Lord, and you are not far from them. So Lord, help us to experience you more and more each day. We thank you, Lord, for your salvation. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.